Welcome back to Wasta's channel. My name is Anton Vielsen. I'm an attorney in the Southern District of California here in San Diego. You might be all familiar with the statute of limitations. That's the time limit under which the prosecution has to bring a criminal case against you. And if they don't do it within that period, well, that case will be dismissed. But what about a situation where the prosecution brings an indictment, a warrant is issued, but the arresting agency does not act on the warrant, and instead you're arrested years later. Well, that is the case of Doggett versus United States, a Supreme Court case where an individual was arrested eight and a half years after the indictment was brought. He wasn't on the run, he was living in the United States, and wasn't hiding from anyone. He argues that the case has to be dismissed for violation of the Sixth Amendment rights that give you a right for a speedy public trial. But before we go on, I want to thank you for watching me on YouTube, hitting that subscribe button, sharing my channel with your friends and family. And if you're listening to the podcast version of this recording on Audible or Spotify, please give my podcast a five-star rating. And finally, if you want to support my channel, consider going to lostash.com and checking out some of the merch, including these Do Not Arrest This Person t-shirts. Thanks for watching. Quick message from Lostash. Are you charged with a crime? Or do you want to know your rights if stopped by police? Watch California attorney Anton Vielsen discuss legal cases from the Supreme Court, Ninth Circuit, and California State Courts on the Lostash YouTube page. Anton has handled hundreds of federal and state criminal cases, has an in-depth knowledge of the law, and has the best mustache ever. Subscribe to the Lostash YouTube page. That's L-A-W-S-T-A-C-H-E. Today we'll be discussing a Supreme Court case, Doggett vs. United States. The facts of the case are made for a movie. Here's what happens. In 1980, Mr. Mark Doggett was indicted in federal court on drug charges. A warrant was issued and the DA went to his house to make an arrest. From his mother, they learned that Mr. Doggett has left the United States to Colombia four days earlier. They made some attempts to locate Mr. Doggett and they found out that he was being prosecuted in Panama on unrelated charges. While the Panamanian government promised to expel Mr. Doggett back to the United States, instead he was later released and began living in Colombia. He was there for about four months. From that point on, the government made virtually no effort to track him down and did not know that he returned to the United States a few months after his departure from Panama. In 1982, Mr. Doggett returns back to the United States without any issues. He goes across the customs and nobody asks any questions. He begins living here in the U.S. under his own name. He marries, finishes college, and works in a computer science field. In 1988, eight years later, the DA randomly makes a credit check on people with outstanding warrants and they find out that he's living here in the US even though he was never hiding or fleeing from them. The prosecution brings a case eight and a half years later against Mr. Doggett on those original drug charges. He challenges this prosecution and says that it violates his Sixth Amendment rights which protect you and give you a right to a public and speedy trial. The Sixth Amendment guarantees that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy trial. 
On its face, the speedy trial clause is written with such breath that taken literally, it would forbid the government to delay the trial of an accused for any reason at all. Our cases, however, have qualified the literal sweep of the provision by specifically recognizing the relevance of four separate inquiries. Whether the delay before trial was uncommonly long, whether the government or the criminal defendant is more to blame for the delay, whether in the due course the defendant asserted his right to a speedy trial, and finally, whether he suffered prejudice as the delay's result. As to the first criteria about the length of the delay, obviously the longer the delay, the more the prejudicial it becomes. In fact, some courts have said that post-accusation delay that approaches one year is presumptively prejudicial. And here we have eight and a half years that pass after the indictment that Mr. Doggett is arrested. Now moving on to the second criteria, here's what the Supreme Court says. About who to blame for the delay, here's what we know. For six years, the government's investigators made no serious effort to test their progressively questionable assumption that Doggett was living abroad. And had they done so, they would have found him within minutes. In the meantime, the government also explicitly conceded that it had no information that Doggett was aware of the indictment before he left the United States in March 1980, or prior to his arrest. His mother testified at the suppression hearing that she never told him, and Barnes and Riddle state that they did not have contact with him after their arrest, while one of the government's lawyers later expressed amazement that that particular stipulation is in the factual basis. He could not make it go away, and the trial and the appellate courts were entitled to accept the defense's unrebuttable and largely substantiated claim of Doggett's ignorance. Thus, Doggett is not to be taxed for invoking his speedy trial rights only after his arrest. Which leaves us with the final criterion where the government argues and questions how is this delay prejudicial to Mr. Doggett. First, the Supreme Court explains the different types of prejudice that can come from the delay. The Supreme Court has observed in their prior cases that unreasonable delay between a formal accusation and trial threatens to produce more than one sort of harm, including oppressive pretrial incarceration, anxiety and concern of the accused, and the possibility that the accused defense will be impaired by dimming memories and loss of exculpatory evidence. Of these forms of prejudice, the most serious is the last one, because the inability of the defendant to adequately prepare his case skews the fairness of the entire system. To be sure, time can tilt the case in either side, towards the defense or prosecution. And sometimes it is difficult to say who's going to have a winning hand because of the delay. The court also acknowledges that there's a difference between a diligent prosecution and a bad faith delay, but there's also that middle ground of negligence, which is what we have here. Nobody argues that there's some bad faith happening on the side of the prosecution. Instead, we're sure to see that the arresting agency and the prosecution were negligent in trying to find Mr. Doggett. They just simply believed 
that he was abroad without doing any sort of investigation. And in that case, the Supreme Court says that this is a particular case where it is difficult for the defendant to pinpoint exactly how he's prejudiced. So instead, the Supreme Court says that when the delay is to such an extent where we have an eight and a half year delay, the defendant would almost always be unable to show the exact prejudice. And for that reason, the Supreme Court says that the case should still be dismissed for violation of the Sixth Amendment. And here's finally how the Supreme Court concludes. To be sure, to warrant granting relief, negligence unaccompanied by a particularized trial prejudice must have lasted longer than negligence demonstrably causing such prejudice. But even so, the government's egregious persistence in failing to prosecute Doggett is clearly sufficient. The lag between Doggett's indictment and arrest was eight and a half years, and he would have faced trial six years earlier than he did but for the government's unexcusable oversight. The portion of the delay attributable to the government's negligence far exceeds the threshold needed to state a speedy trial claim. Indeed, we have called shorter delay extraordinary. When the government's negligence thus caused delay six times as long as the generally sufficient to trigger judicial review, and when the presumption of prejudice, albeit unspecified, is neither extenuated and by the defendant's acquiescence, nor persuasively rebutted, the defendant is entitled to relief. Uh, we, we view the extraordinary length of Doggett's pretrial delay as sufficient to place his ability to mount a successful defense at trial in serious jeopardy. We hold that such presumptive prejudice is sufficient to carry a speedy trial claim when the government is at fault for negligently causing a delay of such extraordinary length. I hope you learned something about the speedy trial rights under the Sixth Amendment, and if you have a case where the warrant was lingering for whatever reason for some years and you were never arrested, ask your attorney how this case can be useful, or simply give me a call and I can help. And finally, if you enjoyed this video, please give it a thumbs up, subscribe to my channel, and share it with your friends and family. Also share it on Facebook and other platforms to make my channel grow. And if you're listening to the podcast version of this recording, give it a 5-star review rating. And finally, if you want to support my channel, consider going to lostash.com and checking out some of the merch, including these Do Not Arrest This Person t-shirts, hats, and other items. Thanks for watching.